Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. You know, I think sometimes we, we take a look at the Bible and, and we, we, we do some wrong things. We, we make some mistakes, especially if we're not familiar with Scripture. Uh, one of the things we do is we idolize biblical characters. Um, and these are individuals that we learn a lot from, but sometimes we, we forget about the mistakes that they made. Uh, you know, we kind of look at that and we, we look at uh, you know, necessarily, for instance, like Mary and Joseph. We think that they're the perfect couple. They're amazing. I mean, Terry, Pastor Terry, they're Jesus' parents, and he, they were just wonderful. Well, they lost Jesus for a long time. Let's just be honest if you read Scripture. Um, and if you don't know that, that you need to read the Bible because if you want to learn some really amazing things, you can read that stuff. And, uh, you know, we're going to go ahead and we're going to take a look at a few couples in the Bible. And uh, I'm really excited today because the first couple we're going to look at as we go through this month of February is Adam and Eve. And, and right off the bat, I know most of you in this room watching online, you say, oh, I've heard the story, heard the story, been there, done that. I'm tuning off. Um, if you're at home, I'm, t- I'm turning off. Don't, because we're going to look at it in a very different way today. Because isn't it true that sometimes, you know, we, we think we understand the story. We think we've got life figured out. We think we have relationships figured out. In fact, I think a lot of us in this room, we think that we have our relationship with God figured out. And for some of us, it's really positive. We think, oh, no, I got it all figured out. It's wonderful. It's amazing. For some of us in this room, you know, your relationship, God, is a little fuzzy. In fact, I would say I probably know, and, and I, I, I'm not, whether you're a female or a male in this room, sometimes we're a little hesitant in our relationship with God. Maybe we've had a bad experience at church. Maybe we've had a, a family member that has condemned us and, and it pushes us away from a God. And Because if they're willing, the loved one that we have are willing to treat us in such a way, then why would I ever want to serve a God that they serve? And we've gone through that. But this story that we're going to break out gives us insight into our personal relationship with God. For those of you who have been coming to a church for a very long time, you know this. I don't take myself too seriously. I've always said that I, I value people over position. I've always said as a pastor, the only difference between you and I is, is that I was miraculously called by God and told that I needed to be a pastor, which is good, by the way, because when this pandemic hit, I just looked up at God and said, okay, you wanted this. It's all up to you now. But here's the truth. If you really struggle with your relationship, God, or maybe you struggle in your marriage, or maybe you struggle in relationship with friendships, I really, really want you to lean in here because I think there are seven principles that I pulled out that I've never seen before. Seven principles that we can learn in just the first couple of chapters in the Bible about our relationship, but more importantly, how we can have better relationships with one another, okay? So with that being said, we're gonna jump into the book of Genesis, and we're gonna start reading this story about how God created man, and in doing so, gave us some great wisdom on how we are to be with one another. Let's take a look at this. This is Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals of the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. If you're looking at that, the first thing we say is, and we're going to get to it in just a second, it says, let us, and some of you are saying, well, wait a minute, if God said it, then why did he say us? We're going to talk about that in just a second because it has far deeper meaning. But the first thing that I love is, is that here is God, and God looks down, he creates the world, and he says, you know what? There's something not right. I need to create someone. 
And it gives us a great picture into our first point. And the first point is this, is that you are never alone because God created all of us and in doing so, we know and we can have comfort into knowing that we are never alone. You know, I, I actually saw someone in here, and I won't, I won't embarrass them, I won't call it a name, but they're in the counseling profession. They walked into the service and they're sitting in here. And they know this because I've had a conversation with them. And I've not only had a conversation with them, but other counselors that I know throughout the country, you don't know this, but pastors, we have a deep relationship with counselors. Why? Because many individuals come in for counseling. By the way, counseling is not a bad thing. Do you know that every single one of us has received counseling? This is not on my notes, so let me come over here. Every single one of us has, has had counseling. Whether you go to mom and ask mom for advice, dad, ask dad for advice, go to a friend and ask them for advice, you always are getting counseling. So why in the world, whenever someone says, we need counseling, no, I don't need counseling, I don't need it, I don't need it, it's bad, it's bad. No, you get it all the time. So by the way, I digress. So this friend walks in and I'm talking to them. And one of the things that we had a conversation before is, is the fact that in this year of the pandemic, our counselors are overwhelmed. There are so many individuals that are struggling. And I, and I tell you, and I think they would agree with me, one of the chief reasons that they're struggling is, is because they feel alone. Here's the truth. Isolation robs perspective. When you are isolated, it robs you of all your perspective. Let me give you a funny illustration. I was talking to a friend this week, and you know, there's the big game that's coming up today, this afternoon, the Puppy Bowl. Yes, it is. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. Now, there's a Super Bowl, too. But anyway, at the Super Bowl, I was talking to a friend, and I was like, can you believe that Tom Brady, you know, is in another Super Bowl? I mean, I just can't believe it. And so, all of a sudden, my friend, they looked at me, and they said, I know. I mean, I hate those Patriots. I can't believe he's doing it again. I just looked at him, and I was like, you, you do realize he doesn't play for the Patriots anymore, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. But, you know, I think some of us, when we're isolated, we can be like that. He was isolated from football. He wasn't watching, and so obviously he didn't have all the facts. Isn't it true that when we become isolated, whether that's from friendships, whether that's from parents, whether that's from the world, when we isolate ourselves, we lose our perspective. And there's many individuals during a pandemic who are without their family, who are without their friends. And the enemy, and by the way, if you're new to Christianity, I know you don't like here talking about the devil and everything else, but I want to be honest, there is spiritual warfare out there. There is an enemy. He seeks to rob, steal, and destroy. And that enemy loves to isolate us because we were not meant to be alone. Did you know the Christian life was never meant to be lived alone? God created us to be dependent upon one another. That's why God created us. He loves relationship. And this pandemic has caused all of us to sit there by ourselves. And isn't it true we get up in the morning and when we're isolated, we say, well, look in the mirror, pandemic 20, there it is in all its glory. I don't look good. I don't feel good. Maybe my job isn't where I want to be. Maybe this year is not where I want to be. You know what? Life is terrible. There's nothing good. Then you start looking at the person next to you and they're scratching themselves and they're like, really? I ended up with this guy? And all of a sudden, when you isolate yourself, you lose perspective. But you need to know today that you were created by a God who believes in relationship. If you're a single adult, I'm not necessarily talking about marriage, by the way. Do you know as single adults, if God calls you to be married, awesome. But if God calls you to be single, then you know what? You're still never meant to be alone. You have to build relationships. You have to build those around you that are going to pour into you, encourage you. And so the first thing we learn right off the bat is, is that God created us and I'm going to give you a word, and we're going to come back to it, tease you a little bit. 
as a word when it says, let us make God in our own image. That speaks to plurality. Big word for the day, go ahead and write it down. Impress your friends at the Super Bowl. I promise you that word's not gonna come up. Go ahead, just go ahead and throw it out there. Plurality, and we're gonna get to it in just a second. There's a second principle, let's take a look at this. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. This is one of my favorite, and again, I do this all the time, but I mean it. If you get this one, then go ahead and go to sleep, and then I'll wake you up at the end. But if you get this, then everything else is golden. Ready? Here's the second point. You are special. You are special. And I know some of you don't feel that way. Because isn't it true, here's what we do, we look to the person to the left or to the right, they're more talented, they look better, and right off the bat, you knock yourself down. But we're comparing to the wrong thing. Because we're forgetting who created us. And if we remember who created us, the creator of the universe, the God who created the heavens and the earth, when we know that, then we're pretty special because you are fearfully and wonderfully made, you are unique. Let me give you some instance. Remember I mentioned that word, plurality. The word creator in that verse is the Hebrew word bara, and it means he created, and it speaks to this plurality. And here's what I mean. When God, all of a sudden, it says, let us make man in our own image, who was God talking about? God was talking about Jesus Christ, and it spoke to the Trinity. It gave us an idea of the Trinity, and by the way, if you're new to Christianity, you want to know about the Trinity, call me, and I'll explain it as best I can. But here's the truth. God singularly, the creator of the heavens, the creator of the earth. He is the same as Jesus Christ, but they are different. And so Jesus Christ is there with him. And Jesus Christ came, died on the cross for our sins. He had a purpose. God has a purpose. They are one and the same, but they are different. And so all of a sudden, this united trinity decides to create man, and they created it. Don't miss this. They created us with a plurality. In the same fashion that God and Jesus are one of the same, they also created man with the same sense of plurality. When you're created with God, and I'm going to get to it, but hang on. You were created in the image and likeness of God. You were created with authority. You were created with ownership. You were created with responsibility. You were created with care, with power, with confidence, with kindness and gentleness. Why? Because in the original language, you were created in the image of God, and God has all those attributes. I think sometimes we think, yeah, yeah, but Terry, that's God, and we're just, we, we, we are just humble little creatures, and we are not special at all. No, you are special. Don't shortchange the fact that you were created by God. And some of us are like, yeah, but Terry, I don't want to put myself at the same level of God. I mean, isn't that sin? Yes, but don't miss this. You were created with the authority that when you walk into a room, you can have boldness. You want to know why you can have boldness? Not because Terry can have boldness. Do you know why Terry can have boldness? Because I was created by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And when it comes to righteousness and when it comes to what is right and what is wrong, I can stand because I know my, I have my creator with me. I have Christ in me. And so I can stand with the strength of Jesus Christ in knowing that I can be bold. When it comes to compassion in a situation to which I don't know how to deal with this, and God, I don't know what to do, I can have strength and I can be encouraged because I can walk into any situation because I know it's not about me, it's about him. And because I have Christ in me, he will give me the words to say, he will give me the knowledge, he will give me the strength in this meeting. If I depend upon him, he will give me all that I need because I was created by the king of kings in his image. And so when it speaks to plurality, it also speaks to needing something else. And we're gonna to get to that in just a second. 
But don't ever forget that you are special. Let's take a look at the next one. It says this in verse 4. This is the account of the creation of the heavens and earth, the man and woman in Eden. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, next slide please, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth, for the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered all the land. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Here's the third thing that we need to remember. It's this. We need to practice humility. Don't let number two get to your head. Remember I said you're special? You are, but don't let it get to your head. And here's the reason why. You need to remember where you came from. If you're watching online and you don't know this Christianity thing, let me give you your filter. If you can filter everything from here down, if you can check everything to this, make it almost like, you know what, WWJD, you ever remember that fad and you had the bracelets? Okay, what should I do? Let me look at my bracelet. What would Jesus do? Okay, well, that helps me. Here's your filter moving forward. God gave you everything. God gave you your talent. God gave you your resources. That'll humble you, right? The minute you think you're better than your neighbor or better than your friend or you have a better personality, I want you to remember, God gave you it all. We can't lord ourselves or put ourselves above anybody. The minute we look down on someone, we're sinning because we're looking down on someone that was fearfully and wonderfully created by God in his image. And when you put someone down because of who they are, guess what you're doing? You're looking at God and said, you did a bad job. And that's not right. Here's the other thing. It says that he formed the man from the dust of the ground. This is interesting. Please lean in. This is interesting. It says he, he formed the man from the dust in the ground, right? That scripture we just went. For 20 years, up until this year, I had the privilege to go to the country of Nicaragua. And when I've gone, 95% of the time, I've gone during a specific season. You know, here in America, in a lot of different parts of the country, we have a fall, we have a winter, we have a spring, we have a summer. In Nicaragua, they don't have four seasons. They have two. They have a green season and they have a dry season. The green season, 95% of the time, is when I went. It was tropical. It rained every day. It was lush. It was beautiful. It was gorgeous. The plants, the flowers, the birds, it was incredible. It absolutely was a paradise. And one time I went down there, and I went during the dry season. Big mistake. Because when I walked out of the airport, the door was open, and I got smacked in the face with dust you could not imagine. You see, the dust from all the dirt roads, from all the sewage that's on the ground, it picks up into the air because there hasn't been any rain. There's nothing. And everything is dry. Everything is brown. And it just blows in the air. And so as you're walking, you almost have to cover your mouth because you get hit with a stench. And you get hit with dirt. And it covers you. And so when I look at that passage where God says, hey, Terry, I want to remind you of something. I took you from the dust. The original word picture of that language, that word dust, by the way, when you read the Bible, there are no accidents in Scripture. There are reasons for words being there. And you might say, well, why didn't it just say that God created us, right? Save some words. He chose that descriptive to remind us of where we came from. I took you from the clay, the dust, the chalk. Remember who you are. That because of me, I've given you everything. But when you live your life on this earth, remember that you come from me and that everything you have is because of me. Could you imagine if our marriages, if husbands and wife, every morning we woke up and we said, you know what, at the end of the day, I'm created by God. Nothing I have is from me, my personality, my devilishly good looks, 
Why are you laughing? That's just not right. I'm just saying. But could you imagine if we did that? Could you imagine how many single adults would have confidence and boldness if they knew that when they looked in the mirror and they said, why am I alone? If they understood, rather than being alone as a detriment to this culture, instead you would realize, you know what? I am single, and God could use me amazingly in my singleness to do incredible things because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And when he calls me to be married, that day will come, and I will see it. But for right now, I am bold in Christ because I come from him. So remember where you came from. We continue on. It says, then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man that he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful. Don't miss this. Remember, words matter. Trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden, then dividing into four branches. The first branch, called Pishon, flowed around the entire land of Havilah, where gold is found. Now, when you sit there and you look at, like, why did God just describe? Is he kind of just, you know, teasing us? It's like, hey, remember what you had? It was gorgeous. It was amazing. You used to be in this. It was awesome. He did that on purpose. Because you know what it was? It was foreshadowing where we're going. Because that was eternity. And eternity is going to be lush. It's going to be amazing. It's going to have everything that we want. So here's the truth. God knew where we were going. And he knew where we would end up. And so here's principle number four. You have a purpose. Next one. Next slide. You have a purpose. And that purpose is eternity. Let me kind of share this. Let me, let me explain this a little bit. What I love about it is, is that in this, when God saw Adam and Eve, did he know that Adam was going to sin and Eve was going to sin? Yes or no? Yes. God is all-knowing. And so here in this great plan, sometimes I think we read the Bible and we read with the wrong context. We read Adam and Eve and we think, okay, everything's great right now. And God is thinking, woohoo, I did it. It created this. It's amazing. Adam and Eve, they're awesome. They're amazing. And then, okay, all right, I'm going to put this here. Now just don't touch it because you'll mess everything up. And I kind of feel like we think that God doesn't know that Eve is going to sin and Adam is going to sin. No, that's not scriptural. God knew exactly. He knew. He knows yesterday, today, and forever. By the way, aren't you thankful for that? Side note, let me come over here, I digress. Do you know, if you're not a Christian, do you know that when God looks at you, he doesn't look at your today? I think that's why a lot of people don't come to God. Because I think a lot of us, we know what we did last night, or we know we did this last week, or we know how we treated someone, and we think God is so mad at me right now, he doesn't want anything to do with me. Do you know that if you think that way, you don't know your Bible? Because God doesn't look at you today. Do you know what God looks at? He looks at your heart, but he doesn't even look at your heart today. He looks at the potential that you have in your heart for your future. Do you know, I don't know how I know this. It's because God throughout the Old Testament, when he looked down at his creation, he always saw the cross. He always knew where we were headed. He always knew that one day he would send his son to die and pay the penalty for our sin. And so we have an amazing God who is patient with us because he sees our potential. Aren't you thankful that we have a God who sees your potential? So the next time you doubt yourself, the next time you say God doesn't care, no, that's not biblical, he looks down at you and says, no, I see your future. And if you understand that I give you the boldness, I give you the strength, I can give you all that you need to be successful, then he sees your success. 
And so you are designed for a purpose, and that purpose is eternity, because guess what? I'm going to die one day, and I thank God that it's not the end for me. I know that this is just a short time, that this is just a blip, and I know that God created me long ago, and that I am going to be in eternity where it is beautiful, it's luscious. So he created us for eternity. And so when we enter into our relationships with one another, marriages, why is this important? Maybe that helps you to have hope. Maybe that helps you to have patience. Because it's not about this moment. It's about eternity. Here's the fifth thing. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it, but the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Now, here's what I love about this, and stay right there on the scripture for me, guys. Here's what I love about this. Because many of us, we look and we say, okay, God created everything. He put all the plants, he put all the flowers, and then he puts this one tree. And I don't know about you, when I read it, I kind of like, when I read that part, I go, okay, God, can you put a thicket around it? Can you put like a wall? Can you just, can we go back in time and just protect that tree? I mean, you're God. You can do anything. Why in the world would you just leave it there? I mean, you trusted us? Really? Come on, God. I mean, I could be right now in eternity with gold and the flame. I mean, you ever picture that in heaven? You'd be skipping along with gold and flowing rivers? Maybe not. But anyway, that's at least in my mind. It's like a box of Lucky Charms. Anyway, so moving on. I can get myself in trouble, can't I? Jeb, watch out for me. Anyway, moving on. But isn't it true? It's so true that I wonder, God, why? Why did you do it? And then it reminds me of relationship. Remember what I said that the Christian life was never be meant to live alone? And remember what I said that God designed us to live in relationship? Well, let me ask you a question. What is the, one of the key principles of relationship? It's trust. And that's our fifth point. Trust is important to give and receive. You want to know how amazing a God we serve? Don't miss this. Do you know that God created Adam and Eve and God knew that they were going to turn their backs on him? And do you know what God still did when he put that tree there and he didn't put a moat and didn't put a castle wall around it? He said, I know you're going to mess up, but I understand that this is about a relationship between me and you, and so I'm going to give you trust because it's important in every relationship to give trust. And so when you start a relationship, there are some of you in this room that you're holding on so tightly that you don't want to get hurt anymore, and maybe it's time to give a little bit of trust again. And there are some of you that maybe you need to be very careful with the trust that you receive. That's important in relationships. We continue on. A couple more points. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper. Don't forget that word. Who is just right for him. This is probably my favorite point, just because it smacks me in the face. Guess what? You need help. You need help. And God knew it. And so when he created Adam, he sat there and he said, oh, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then all of a sudden he said, nope, Adam needs relationship. He has relationship with us, but he needs relationship. He needs community. And here's the beautiful thing. And so let me, let me grab my chair, my dramatic moment here, pull my chair up so that way you guys wake up a little bit, snoozing a little bit, because this is important. I'm going to geek out on a word here for a second, okay? Because in the original language, when it says helpmate, that original word in the Hebrew is ezer or kanego. 
Now, Terry, what's important about that word? Do you know that's used 16 times within Scripture? And so, ladies in the room, and we talk about marriages, many times when we see helper to the man, we think in our Anglo culture that that right away takes ladies and it pushes ladies down and it makes them subservient. The man is more important and the lady is just supposed to come alongside and help us. No, that's not, if you think that, you don't know your Bible. Because that original word, 16 times, the only way that that is used, and it's used here in this, it compares what a female is to a man as is what God was to his people. In actuality, 16 times, if you were to define that term, it means life saver. So if you're married in the room next to your husband, you can turn to him and say, I'm your lifesaver. I'm not talking about the candy either. But that's what it means. Remember I said plurality? Don't miss this. God the Father and Jesus Christ are two different, but they're both the same. And guess who Jesus is in that part? He's a lifesaver. And God created man and woman in the same plurality as if to say, Christian, you need relationship. And so if you are called to be married, your spouse is designed to be a lifesaver to you. It means that you both are to care for one another. It means that you both are to watch out for one another in that same plurality. And so there's specialness when it comes to a marriage relationship. It's not to lord over one person, over another. It's like a bird flying in the air. It has two wings and they're both separate, but without both, the bird doesn't fly. And so it's important to understand what it means to be a helper, a helpmate. So now, ladies, you can turn to your spouse and say, you're welcome. Continuing on. It says this in Genesis 2, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and brought her to man. And watch Adam's wonderful expression. At last, the man explained, this one is bone from my bone, flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. Here's the seventh and last point. You have a choice. I love this because here's Adam and Adam's sitting over there. And, and if I'm Adam, okay, if Terry is Adam, I'm standing there. I'm like, all right, you know, I'm looking over at the goats. I'm looking over at the, all the animals. And you know what? They're just, just, there's nothing here for me. And then all of a sudden God notices and says, you know what? You're right. You have a need. And I think someone, you need a helpmate. And so I'm going to design and take from you. So he causes Adam to fall asleep and he designs the perfect helpmate for Adam. And then the word says that God led Eve to Adam. Now, I got to be honest, when I think of that, I picture myself in high school. Because if I was walking down the high school hallways as a freshman and all of a sudden girls are looking pretty to me, I would walk down and I would look and here's what would happen, ladies. And this is just, God wired me this way. We all have preferences, right? I'd be looking down and if I saw three girls and I saw two brunettes and I saw the blonde with blue eyes, I would all of a sudden, I wouldn't even see the brunettes. Sorry, brunettes. I would see the blonde with blue eyes and go, woohoo, yeah. That would be me. And what I noticed about this is that God led Eve to Adam. And here's what I believe, because Adam only had one choice, just one. And Adam didn't look and go, ah, we'll go on a few dates and see how it goes. He didn't say, yeah, 
Can I trade her in? He didn't say, eh, you know, I'd like a different hair color. He didn't do that. He said, at last, yes. But here's what I truly believe in my heart. He didn't look right at Eve when he said that. You see, because I think Adam understood that God created him and God knew him intimately and God had a relationship with him. And he knew God on such a deep level that he knew that that God wanted to not only care for him, but wanted to provide perfection for him. And so when Adam looked at God, he had a trust for God that went beyond anything else. And so when all of a sudden he saw a, a figurine, a person, a figure that was someone else, he screamed at last while looking at his heavenly father. Because he knew, I don't care what she looks like. I don't care what her personality is. I don't care if she thinks the Buccaneers are going to win the Super Bowl. It doesn't matter. At last, thank you, God. You see, he had a choice. And today, balcony, floor, online, you have a choice. And that's the point. We have the power to choose. We have the power to choose the confidence that you are never alone. We have the power to choose the boldness to know that you are special and unique. You have the power to choose the self-awareness to always practice humility and don't let number two get to your head. You have the power to choose the responsibility of your purpose, which is not about this earth, but which is about eternity. You have the power to choose the care for the trust that we have been given because God knows you're going to fall 75 times, but guess what he does? He continues to give you trust because he loves you. And we have the power to choose the meekness to know that we will always need help and we can choose it. And today, I close by saying this. We prayed as a staff on this stage and God impressed upon my heart to look at our staff and say, guys, I'm gonna share a message and I wanna challenge you with it. What is one area in your life that you know you're struggling with? And if it comes to your head right now, then our responsibilities as believers in Christ is to choose to depend upon the strength that God has given us to walk out these doors and to every day say, God, I don't think I have the power to do it, but everything comes from you and I have the power to change who I am because of you in me. And because of that, I can have better relationships with my spouse, better relationships with my friends, better relationships with my kids if I will just choose to depend on you. And that's your question. Will you choose today? Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much. Lord, oh, from just a few verses, how much we can pull out that you have given us. So God, right now, I just tell you that we love you. And I just pray that you would speak to the hearts of every person, no matter where they're at in their relationship with you, whether they're not a Christian in this room or whether they've been a Christian for 60 years. God, you speak to both hearts. And I pray that you would challenge them with what you want to say. We tell you we love you. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen.